Good morning. I'm the new guy. Can we blame it on that? Yeah, I'm the new guy, but as you can see, I'm not really all that new. I've been around for decades, more than I want to mention, and uh, I've been, by God's grace, uh, in pastoral ministry for over 37 years. The last 10 years were here in Michigan, so here's what I tell people. I wasn't born here, but I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> I'm currently serving part-time at St. Paul Community Lutheran Church in Pontiac, and actually, I've gotten to know quite a few of you who have come to serve there because it truly is a mission outpost where we feed anywhere from 50 to 70, sometimes up to 150 people from the community, a hot meal, and then we share the word of the Lord with them afterwards. And some of you have been very involved with that, and it's been a joy and a pleasure to work together with you side by side. I'm very thankful for St. John, the impact that you're having upon those that we're reaching. We're meeting them where they are in Pontiac, and we're sharing the gospel of Jesus with them, and we're seeing God at work. I also will tell you that I've been married for many decades, and uh, my wife, Sue, is a Lutheran teacher. She teaches at Peace Lutheran School in Shelby Township. I say that so that you know that I love Lutheran educators so much that I married one, and so we have two grown children, both of them are married, and they have uh, given us four grandchildren. All of them are girls, which tells me that some of you out there need to be supplying boys just in case God's plan is marriage for these granddaughters of mine. Earlier this year, Sue and I joined St. John. This is our home church, and what a joy to be able to call you our family of God, and I never dreamed that that would lead to me being on staff part-time as your director of mission mobilization, and what a joy and privilege for me to serve our Lord and to be able to be part of this sermon series on the church has left the building. Talk about a direct connect, right, to the mobilizing of God's people for serving of our Lord. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Mark shared with us the biblical concept of church, and he challenged our mental model where we tend to think the church is a place you go to rather than who you are, that it's a street address or a building rather than people redeemed by the love of Jesus Christ. And yet it is true that you are the church. But today, as we look at the text that was shared in Luke chapter 22 about serving, I want you to understand that even though you are the church, don't confuse this, it is not about you, it's about Jesus. So make sure you, this is set in your heart. I want you to do this. I want you to turn to someone next to you, in front of you, whatever works best, but tell them, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Would you please do that with people around you? Thank you very much, because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, who has a love for all people, that all people would come to know his, his saving grace. But, you know, our tendency is we like to make it about us, 
Did you notice that in the reading, Luke chapter 22, you actually have the disciples arguing over who is the greatest. We're told they had a dispute. Which of them is the greatest? What boggles my mind is they're having this conversation in front of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Here is God from eternity entered into our world, the one who is perfect and blameless. They had seen him do miracles and feed uh, miraculously the hungry. They had seen him calm the storm and raise the dead. And they're talking about who's the greatest? You know, we have to learn the fact that we aren't the greatest. We're not the center of attention. We're not the ones who should get all the recognition. Maybe you've heard about the couple. They were taking a a trip together out west of the United States, and they came to what's called Echo Canyon. And it's where you stand at a certain point, and you say something or yell something out to the canyon and you get the echo back. And the wife said to her husband, go ahead, try it. He didn't really want to do it. She said, no, do it, do it. So he stood there and he said, baloney. Nothing happened. She said, do it again. Come on, just give, give your all to it. So he said, I'm the greatest man in the world. And it came back, baloney. Here you have the disciples arguing about who's the greatest. It's one of those moments that Jesus could have said, baloney. But rather than chastise them, he wanted to transform them by his love and his power. And so it was a teachable moment. And this is where he said to them, that's the way the unbelievers live. You know, the Gentiles, the kings who think that everybody ought to serve them. But it's not that way with you. You see, in the kingdom of God, those who rule are the ones who are to serve. Did you know that Jesus has posted a help wanted ad? That he wants us to join him and to be the church that he is building to reach out to our world. If he posted his help wanted ad today, how would that read? I mean, what would be the qualifications he's looking for, the education degree, the skills, the personal abilities? Would there be a background check? Maybe it would sound something like this, and this is my best attempt to describe what Jesus says he's looking for. Help wanted looking for someone to do often undesirable work for the sake of others, needs to have a strong sense of personal value and worth in God's eyes and a true compassion for others. It is essential to be vitally connected with the greatest servant of all in order to continue training. Work requires being on call 24 hours a day to meet needs of family, friends, neighbors, and even strangers. Must be willing to give up rights, no experience necessary. Job begins today right where you are. You see, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is the one who said, I'm among you as one who serves. By the way, those words have even greater power and impact when you look at the context in which they were spoken. Because in Luke 22, where do you find Jesus and his disciples. They're in the upper room. They had just experienced Jesus explaining that there's a new covenant as they were celebrating the Passover meal. And Jesus said that I give my body to be broken to you. I 
give you this cup, my blood shed for you. And it was in that context that now they're arguing about who's the greatest. The other Gospels give you little uh, insights into what all took place that night. John, in the 13th chapter, tells you that this is when nobody had washed the feet of anybody else as they came to the upper room. You see the common practice then, dusty roads, they wore sandals, that when you came to someone's home, usually it was a servant or it was a young person who would wash the feet of the guests as they entered into the home. But apparently there was no servant there as they were gathered together in the upper room. And, uh, you know, back then, the table, they reclined at table. That's because the table's not tall like we have it with chairs. It's lower, and they had pillows, and they would lay on those pillows, and their feet were extended out. And what we're told is that nobody had washed the feet of the others. You know, maybe in Luke, that's what they were arguing about. Maybe it was Peter saying, why should I wash your feet? Look, I had a bigger role than that, you guys. Remember when Jesus said, yes, I, I got it right when I said, you are the Christ? Maybe uh, John said, I did it last time. Bartholomew, it's your turn. Who knows what they were arguing about? But what we're told is that Jesus got up. He took a towel, a water basin, and he washed their feet. And what Jesus shows us is that the way to greatness is that you descend into greatness. You serve others. So what does greatness look like? It looks like serving. But notice, not only serving, it's serving in small things, washing the feet of others. To make this point amazingly clear, At another time, Jesus spoke about the end of time when he would return as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he would gather all the nations before him, and they would be divided like a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And so you had those who knew and understood the grace of God and that they were saved by that grace, and there were those that did not know the gospel and were not saved by grace. And Jesus said the king would look at those who were on his right, those that we would refer to as the sheep, and he said, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What was it that he would recognize? What was it that was, they had accomplished? Was it that they built huge cathedrals? Was it that they unleashed this organization that had great impact upon the world? No. Listen to what Jesus recognized. At the end of all time, he said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. And they said, when? And Jesus will say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. You descend into greatness. I think most everyone knows the name Mother Teresa. Now with the Lord by virtue of the grace of God in Christ, but She was one who began to reach out to the dying in the streets of Calcutta, India. She started in 1952, and by 1980, she had over 3,000 who were in her order, the Sisters of Mercy, and they were in 52 countries. 
Mother Teresa could have easily talked about her greatness and the great things that she had done, but she never saw it that way. All she ever saw was the individual in front of her that needed to know the mercy and love of God. Listen to the words that Mother Teresa wrote. I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can only love one person at a time. I can feed only one person at a time. Just one, one, one. You get closer to Christ by coming closer to each other. As Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. So you begin, I begin. I picked up one person. The whole work is only a drop in the ocean, but if we don't put the drop in, the ocean would be one drop less. Same thing for you, same thing in your family, same thing in the church where you go. Just begin, one, one, one. At the end of our lives, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, or how many great things we have done. We will be judged by, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. It's the small things. That's what greatness is about. Do you know on October 6th, when we gather here at the church, we're going to have a wonderful occasion, the ceremonial groundbreaking for the renovation and expansion of the, our church. What a great day. But I love the fact that we've coupled something else with that, that we are going to have the church leave the building to be the church and to do this all across our area in Rochester, in Pontiac, in Detroit, where we're going to do small things, but we're going to do them to serve those who truly need a touch of God's love. We have all kinds of sites, and you can sign up for it. Uh, today, there's going to be someone in the Luther Hall who can give you the list of the sites or in the atrium. You can be part of this. As a matter of fact, we still need site leaders, people who might have some ability in painting walls or just a little bit of knowledge about plumbing because we're going to go to homes, homes where people are just... Fighting to survive. One of them, I can tell you, is a, is a mother of six children or husbands un, un, unable to work. And go and just love them and do the things that need to be done. You can do things here on campus. You can do things right here in our neighborhood. And if you go on site, uh, I, I'll encourage you to do this. If you miss the rest of my message because you're doing this, I'm good with that. But if you go on your phone and go to stjohnrochester.org and you click on the churches left the building and then click on the serve event, you can sign up right now. I want you to sign yourself up. I want you to sign your family up. I want you to. I just want you to bug the people in your Bible study, your friends, and say, you've got to do this with me. We want to go and serve because Jesus, has put out a help wanted ad and he wants his church to leave the building and to reach out to those around us. There's all kinds of opportunities. Matter of fact, you can be part of the planning team. At 5.30 on Thursday, this Thursday, join me and be also with Jenny Eller, who is the Director of Mission and Ministry. We'll be in the library talking about not only October 6th, but the things that we'll do after that we can join Jesus in what he's already doing in the world to bring his love to people far away from him. It's going to be very simple, I know. 
but it will be very powerful. And do you know why? Because when we serve, we serve not only in small things, but here's the key, with great love. Great love. You know it when people love you, don't you? You can tell the difference between people doing something because they feel obligated to do it and people who do something because they truly love you. Do you know that in John 13 where it tells us that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, before he got up to wash their feet, here's what it says. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The great love is the love of Jesus. I mean, Jesus who did the unthinkable. Paul wrote about this great love in Philippians that we heard read a moment ago that even though he's in the very nature of God, he did not consider that something to take advantage of, but he emptied himself. He lowered himself, and he took the form of a servant, becoming a human being, obedient to death, even death on a cross. He descended into greatness, giving his life for you and me that our sins could be forgiven, that his blood would be shed on our behalf, and not only for us, but for the whole world. And so it is his love that compels us. And when we go to serve others, let me explain something. When we do it, we are making known the great love of the Father, and this becomes the currency of the kingdom to communicate to people that they have a heavenly Father that loves them so much. He sent his son into the world to be their savior. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You don't put a lamp under a bushel, but on a lampstand, so it gives light to all those who are around. And then Jesus said, let your light shine before others in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Don't ever underestimate what God can do through small things. And my hope and my prayer is that you'll become part of this great day on October the 6th that we will send out hundreds upon hundreds to sites all across our area to show love, to bridge the gap to a world that needs to know about Jesus. Because let me explain that Research here in the United States, according to how people answer questions from those who are looking into this, church consultants. Do you know that two-thirds of the population in the United States are headed to a Christless eternity? They do not know, understand, or believe the gospel. That includes your neighbors. That includes people right here in our community. Did you know that a United States is the third largest mission field in the world, following behind only China and India. We have more people separated from Christ. And so we go. You go doing the small things to bridge the gap. Kind of like Homer Walsh. Anybody ever heard of Homer Walsh? I didn't expect you to know Homer Walsh. He was a fifth grader that lived in the mid-1800s. Homer flew his kite across the Niagara River. (laughs) You see, 
There was a man named Charles Ellett. He's an engineer, and he had a dream and a vision that people thought was ridiculous. He thought he could put a suspension bridge across the Niagara River right near the falls and that he would be able to connect the United States with Canada. The problem was, how would he begin the work of crossing this gorge, this river? So he had a contest. And he said, anybody that can fly their kite across the gorge, I'll pay them $5. By the way, that was a lot of money in the mid-1800s. The first day, all kinds of people were there flying kites, trying to get it across the gorge. Nobody was successful. But on the second day, it was a fifth grader named Homer Walsh. His kite went across the gorge. And they took his kite and his string and they tied it to the tree and on the other end they tied a cord to the string and they pulled it across. And then they tied a rope to the cord and they pulled it across all the way until they had huge cables that were being pulled across the gorge. And then the bridge was built. The gap that was once dividing, now it had a bridge that connected. On October 6th, guess what? Jesus is saying, I want you to be part of leaving the building church. And I want you to bridge the gap between me and people who need to know my love. So I never thought I would say this to the church, especially my first message to you at St. John. But here it goes. Church, go fly a kite. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, indeed, we are here today only by your grace. That it was through someone else, perhaps parents, a teacher, the school, or someone shared with us the amazing message of the gospel, and so we came to faith. We were baptized into the family of God. We became part of the the communion of saints, the holy Christian church. But, O Lord, I pray that you give to us your great heart of love because there are so many who are still separated from you. Oh, Lord, I pray that we will hear the call. And even though October 6th won't change the world, we're not going to reach everyone. We're not going to right the injustices of our nation. But, Lord, it may change us. And, yes, it could touch the lives of others so that they would know you, and so that they would come to faith in you. So, Lord, I pray that every one of us, Lord, would be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will serve you and serve those around me that others may come to know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.